been led in a little bit different way this Sunday. Turn to John 3.16. Do you believe there are very many people around that can't quote John 3.16? We've done that. used to do that in grammar school. Everybody knew what John 3.16 was. Most of us can quote it by heart now. But there's some things about that that you may or may not know. I know it's been a surprise to a lot of people because they've shared it with me. That they didn't know when they first got into this Christianity business that it was going to turn out like it did. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. Even our Bible says it. Nobody has an idea what God has in store for us that turn to Him. There's no way you can know what God is going to do with your life once you become a Christian. John 3.16 says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Two main issues about this verse right here. It's about believing and what happens if you don't believe. That's all too much to cover in one Sunday morning. So today, if you will, we'll talk about believing and what it means to believe. Everybody's got a different idea based on mostly on their experience because everybody's had a different experience. And so this thing of believing really and truly is different for everybody so you get a different answer by questioning anybody about what it means by believing. And I hope today I'll be able to cover some parts of it that maybe we hadn't thought about. Because there are several words that describe this process of salvation. One of them is being saved. We talk about that a lot. One of them is becoming a Christian. Please don't forget that word, becoming. There's all kind of words that we use to describe a person who believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who truly believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to zero in on today is what happens to you when you get introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. 
I'd like to read you something because I can't remember it all. But belief in the New Testament, the word belief, whosoever believeth on him, that word believeth, in the New Testament denotes more than just an intellectual assent. It means more than just saying, yeah, I heard it and I agree with it. It's more than that. To a fact. To agree that something happened is not enough. The word, the Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis, means adherence to, committed to, faith in, reliance upon, trust in a person or an object, and this involves not only the consent of the mind that you agree that it happened, but an act of the heart and will of a person. It means taking a step or making a move. Whosoever believeth in him is equivalent to whosoever trusts in him or commits himself to him. Belief, then, is synonymous with faith. Faith and believing are the things that a person has to do to be a Christian. Believing, the word in the New Testament means believing and receiving what God has revealed and requires action in response on the believer's part. Now let's look at what happens. On the outside, we see somebody walking the aisle. That has become synonymous with being saved. You know some people, I know some people that have walked out. I knew one guy in a town I used to live that rededicated his life nine times. Somebody said, well, I hadn't heard of him walking the aisle again lately. He said, no, I think he wore his rededicator out. Now, I don't know if you can do that, but this guy did. This guy never believed he was born again. He had gone through what he was understanding we're supposed to do to be born again, but he didn't feel like he was born again. And I don't know, I didn't know then, but I'm beginning to understand now what it feels like to be born again. People normally, usually, are saved, that word saved, and you think about it for a minute now, saved is not in the present tense, but in the past tense. You are saved. You can even say you're being saved. 
until you're convinced that it's happening. I've had a lot of friends who were in a lot of denom different denominations. And one peculiar thing about my Catholic friends, and ever since I've been a little kid, the Baptist folks have been running them down. But they are baptized as children. And every one of them I've ever met and talked to honestly believes that from that point on, they're saved. They're born again. And I've talked to a lot of them about it. I've even had three or four Catholic converts, people who became Christians as a Catholic, and they stayed a Catholic. They didn't want anything else. But they believed from the time that they were baptized as a child that they were born again. We don't believe that way. As Baptists, as Methodists, as Pentecostals, we believe that it takes an action from the mind to say that you are ready for salvation. And that's what a, a sense it is when you walk the aisle or, or when you pray the prayer to a pastor or to anybody. You're saying, I'm ready for it. That's what you're saying. And then the process starts. Somebody says, I don't understand about this thing about the process. Well, like I said, when I walk out in October as a 10-year-old, at First Baptist Church in Montevallo, I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it did. I didn't. Nobody told me. They didn't explain to me that after you made that commitment that there was a sanctification process where God took you and changed you. I think I begin to understand it now. I remember an old tale about the worst fellow in town walked the aisle and got baptized. And it was after the service, there was two older guys there in town talking about it. And he said, you reckon that guy was so bad, do you reckon that took? You've heard people talk like that. Reckon it took. He said, well, give me eight or ten years and I'll tell you. That's the only way we can know, folks. We'll see in some scripture in a bit that Jesus is the only one that can look on your heart and my heart. I can't look on your heart. And I've been fooled by some of the best. But they had other reasons for acting like a Christian that I didn't know about till way later on. So this thing of, of praying the prayer of acceptance of asking Jesus into your life, into your heart, into your mind, is a thing that opens the door. It's not the entire process. I can remember a story they used to tell, I've heard it as long as I can remember, back about the turn of the century in one of the big towns, maybe New York, some places had some big sky-high buildings, you know. There was a fellow put a sign up. He was coming to town, 
and he was going to walk a tightrope about 12 stories high between two buildings. And not only that, he was going to push a wheelbarrow across that tightrope, across a busy street in down to one of the big cities downtown. And there was a couple of guys talking about whether or not he could do it. Reckon he's going to be able to do this. And they debated back and forth about what his chances maybe of getting that done. And one of them finally said, well, there's one way for sure. If you believe he can do that, why don't you just get in the wheelbarrow? Now, people chuckle. People grin. That's funny. Because of how ironic it is. People, I'm going to tell you something. There are people who have declared themselves Christians who have never got in the wheelbarrow. They won't take the chance. Because that's what it's a part of of getting involved. I said a while ago, it means, it means making a move or making an act or doing something. Because you see, actually, if you think about the way it works is this. You make a, 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 a series of statements that make people believe you're born again, that you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only way they know. But you shouldn't be surprised if people start watching. I told a fellow politician from another part of the country a few years back, there's something you've got to understand about the Bible Belt people. They believe when you ask Jesus into your heart, they can start watching you change. And I believe that. I believe if Jesus is in there, he's going to do something with you. He's going to make you different. And we'll see what Scripture says about that. That you can actually watch a person and see them change into what the Bible calls the new man. The new man. The new man is not the old man made over. It's not adding a porch to the old man or putting in a new bathroom. It's completely creating a new man. Why? Because the old man died. That's what our Bible says. What you have been doing as your old man is no longer what you're doing. You're doing new things as a new man. Your heart is different. Your mind is different. Your actions are different. Your compassion is different. Your love is different. Everything has changed. Because when you commit yourself, God starts changing the way you think. Did you notice that? Can you think back when you were born again? how you start thinking different thoughts, you start seeing yourself change your ways of doing things, and then as you did those things, you saw that it worked out better because you were now a Christian. 
You see that? Do you notice that? It's a process of being saved. And it takes more than one second. Now, it doesn't take but a second to ask God into your heart. The process is a sanctification process by which you are essentially cleaned up. Look over at the left of John 3.16 to John 2.23. Let's look at what it says right there. 2.23. Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name. You see that word believe? That's the same word, pistis. Same Greek word that we're talking about. Same one that's over here in John 3.16. It said many people believed. When they saw the miracles which Jesus did, it says, the scripture says they believed. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. You see what that's saying? The Bible says from best you could tell from the way they acted they became believers. But somehow they didn't. Because Jesus knew they weren't. Somebody says, well, there's that. Yes, there is, and it's all part of what God said about it. There are some people who appeared to be believers, and Jesus knew better. I didn't know better, because I don't care what a fellow does after he declares himself a Christian, he can be forgiven for it all and people who are born again can do anything. And they do do anything. Until they get changed. Until they get sanctified. Until their conscience that we've talked about is developed to where their conscience won't let them do something. The Holy Spirit inside of them works with their conscience and their conscience won't let them do it. That word believe. Many believed in his name. Verse 24, but Jesus did not commit to them. Same word, P-I-S-T-I-S. The same words used two different ways. Interpreted two different ways. They gave the idea some kind of way that they believed because the Bible said it looked like they did. But Jesus knew better. I can't know that. I have to watch you. I can't know whether something actually took place inside of you or not. But God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit can praise God. Do you remember that we studied the seed and the sower? 
the seed went out four different places. Four different men received the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says in our scripture in chapter 13 of Matthew, all four received or heard the word. Only one turned out like God wanted him to turn out. The other three didn't. Every one of them heard it. Every one of them received it, it said. That's the word that's used. And only one of them wound up being what the result of the gospel shows a person who is a believer. Three out of four failed. In Acts chapter 17, you remember we talked about a few weeks ago, the gospel of Jesus Christ was received three ways. Some of them made fun of them. Some of them said, we'll listen to it again. And some of them believed. That's the way it works. The second one, that heard the gospel in the sower and the seed, it even said he received it with joy. But after a while, after a while, by and by, that's the words it used, by and by, and after a while, he lost it. He lost it. So let me say this. I've come to a place to where I believe that there is a part in this process that is handled by us. And when you invite Jesus into your house, he comes in with a load of clothes, just like anybody else you got living in your house. And he starts hanging them in your closets. And this time, it's forgiving one of the clothes that he brings in and hangs in your closet is being able to forgive somebody that you used to get mad at. Or something else he tries to hang up in your closet is loving everybody, regardless of who they are. Amen. Giving your stuff to other people and without feeling covetous about it, that's something else. So Jesus starts hanging up his stuff his clothes, the things he wears, the things he does, he starts hanging them up in your closet. Now the question is, do you leave them hanging there? <laughs> or do you take them down? That is what starts the process of being saved, of becoming a Christian. Is that you leave the stuff Jesus wants you to have and you do those things and be involved in it instead of taking it off and throwing it back in the floor. Essentially, that's what he's talking about. So you see, when you make a, a, a commitment to Jesus that you're going to do something for him because of what you believe, there's choices you've got to make. And after a bit, it's ever, it's in, I mean, you're going to notice what Jesus is doing with you. 
Now what are you doing to accommodate him? And that is the process by which a person is saved. By accepting those things Jesus is trying to change you into, which is called a new man in the Bible. How long does it take? I have no idea. I know it with everybody is different. Through the true new birth, the believer becomes a member of the family of God and a partaker, the Bible calls him, or a sharer of what Jesus has got. What has Jesus got? He's got everything. And you get to share in it. But you don't get to load up on you in one day or one hour or one minute. It takes time for him to build this stuff into you and to sanctify you and have you begin to act like a new man. And a partaker or a sharer of something called, the Bible calls, divine nature. Divine, heavenly, holy nature. When you begin to act holy and you act like you know something about heaven and you act like you know something about God and how he wants you to live, the life of Jesus Christ himself. Do you understand that Jesus wants you living like him? He wants you talking like him and thinking like him. Let this mind be in you. He wants you to act like him. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says in verse 20, For I am crucified with Christ. At what point did you die? I can't put my finger on it. I think it's different with different people. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Look, you, you see, from where you're sitting, I'm still alive, but yet I have died with Christ on the cross. I have died to the old way I was acting, and I'm trying to put on the new man, let Jesus put the new man on me. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now this is something we tend to forget in my experience. For those people who are called believers, who are called saved, who are called Christians, they have another life in them. 
They're not living like they did. And it's noticeable after a while. You begin to see it. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The thing that stands out to me is faith. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I have faith that because I did what God said for me to do, that I'm going to be saved. Not there yet, but I believe I will. Because I've got a faith now that I didn't have before. So I'm different. I can say to you now, yes, I think so. Are you going to heaven? Yes, I think so. Why? Because I have seen me doing the things that God says I will be doing if I'm going to go to heaven. I've noticed a change in the way I think and a change in the way I talk and a change in the way I act. And I know that I have replied responsibly to God and what he's tried to do in me. But I'm dead to that guy that I was before I went under the water. I'm dead to that guy that I was before I said, I believe you, Lord, whether I got under the water or not. Baptism is not required. God wants you to do it, but it's not requirement. And a few pages over to the right, in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Have you noticed that God has got a plan for your life that you don't remember having before you committed yourself to God? Can you see some order? There are things happening now that didn't used to happen the way they do. And I can begin to see that God is bringing some things about that didn't happen before. Have you noticed that God has got a plan for your life that he creates circumstances that come in front of you to dictate which way you're going to turn? What did he say back in Whatever. There's a voice coming behind you telling you to go left or telling you to go right. If you'll listen, have you learned to recognize that voice? God's right behind you just like driving a mule or an ox. Or a horse. Go left. G. Go right. That's G. Go horse. Go left. I bet a lot of people don't even know that. Couldn't drive a mule today because they don't know the terminology. But left has always been haw, and G has always been right. And that's the way it's done. 
And he uses that, that, that example of people working animals, which these people did every day. A lot of them did. And the ones that didn't live next door to somebody did. God is guiding you in your life just like you guide a mule. And he's trying to keep your road straight. Are you obeying? Do you listen? Sometimes a mule doesn't have to move over just about a half a step. The difference between being wrong and being right. When the plow gets into those plants that are already up, it digs them up and burns your crop. ordained that we should walk in good works. That's what the plan called for for us to do, folks. You got to be a new man, but you got to do new man things too. In Ephesians chapter 4, couple of pages over to the right. And verse 24. Verse 23. 22. I like it better back there. Start at 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation or conduct the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The old man, what does he do? He does what he wants to. Why would you do a thing like that? Well, I wanted to. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind every day. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now let me tell you something. I'll share something with you. I found out I can't be holy. But yet my God tells me to be holy. He commands me to be holy. But I can't be that without him making me holy. That's the key. Is letting God do with you what his plan calls for when you got into this situation. And that ye put on the new man. Who's putting it on? God's trying to. Are you letting him? Are you allowing him to do that? It's his plan. He's the one that's got the idea. All you've got to do is to allow it. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Like God is holy and righteous, that's what he's trying to do with you. 
And if you're like me, a lot of the things he's tried to change you into, you didn't want to be. <laughs> Some things you do, you see the good in it. Other things you don't want. And God's got to convince you one way or another. That's the way he wants you, and that's where you're going to be if you stay around him. Put on the new man. The new man is Christ formed in the Christian. You begin to look like Christ. What does Christ look like? I don't know. I know he looks like a little short Jewish man because they were all shorter in those days. And he cut his hair and he wore his clothes like Jews wore them. But he wasn't tall with a lamb standing at the door with, 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 with purple robes and hair down to his halfway of his back because the Jews didn't allow it. My brother had to explain to me that they looked, Jesus looked that way because the people that paid the artist to paint him wanted him to look that way. It's a process that you put on as God adds to your life. You put on the things he adds. You allow them to take place in you and change you. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, his love is perfected in us. The word implies full development. That word per perfected means that once he starts the process, he's going to finish it. You're on your way to being perfect, whether you know it or not. A lot of it depends on whether you will take it or not. As you become more spiritually aware, you realize what's happening. So, as you put on the new man, while you put on the new man, you're seeing what you're doing to yourself because God is behind it. You see yourself changing, and you know that you're in the process of being changing, and that is the reason you can confidently say, yes, I'm on my way to heaven. Because you've seen that God has accepted you far enough into the process that you see him changing you into somebody that you've never been before. Turn, if you will, one more scripture in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, here's what it says. But God commendeth his love toward us, or showed us how much love he had for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The plan was there then, whether you were born or not. Christ died for people who sinned. And if you came along later, 
and sinned, that meant you too. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Jesus paid his blood so that you could be a Christian. This process I'm talking about started because Jesus paid in advance for you. The only price that could be paid was his blood, and he paid it. For if, verse 10, when we were enemies, did you know you were born an enemy to God? See, that, there's a lot of people think that people who are not Christians and they're not heathen are just walking around out there neutral. But that's not so. The Bible doesn't refer to that at all. Before you were a Christian, you were God's enemy. Don't care how nice you were, what you acted, what you did, what you said, you were an enemy to God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He's talking about the assurance that you're going to be saved to eternal life with Christ. Much more being reconciled. You know what being reconciled is? When you were born an enemy to God, Y'all had differences. You and God had differences. Jesus settled those differences between you and God by allowing you to become a person who is supposed to be a saved person. And what Jesus did, he settled those differences between you and God. The disagreement you had with God about what was what, now you don't think that way. Now you want to be like God. What do you mean? Well, he said be like Jesus. That's like God. Same thing. He even sent Jesus down here to show us what he's like. And all we had to do was copy Jesus. So much more now that that argument that I had with Jesus and with God, before Jesus came into my life, I don't have it anymore. There's no basis for me to argue with God about anything. Because he's right 100% of the time. And I'm wrong 100% of the time. I know that now. Because we were recognized reconciled by the death of Jesus. Much more being reconciled, we're going to be saved. Now that everything's paid for, you know it is, everything is settled, there's no disagreement between you and God anymore, that adds to the assurance that we've got to wind up with eternal life with Him. But not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement.
when you live to become just like God by being just like Jesus, you convince God that you're no longer an enemy. And the thing that struck my mind is what it said about Jesus in 2.23. He knew better. And it's not enough just to say so. It's not enough just to say you're a Christian. You show God you're a Christian by the things you do and by the things you, you, you say and by the way you act toward the things that he wants you to be. And the neat thing about that is you decided to do that. That was all on you. The plan God laid out there and it was on you to do it. It was our decision to surrender ourselves to God through Jesus Christ to try to live like the new man that God is showing us inside of us. or what you understand the new man to be. We don't all have the same idea. What is your idea about living like Christ? It's probably not like exactly like my idea about living like Christ because we all know different things. We're all educated differently. We all understand things about God at different speeds. So what am I doing today? I'm trying to live like I think Christ wants me to live. And I probably think a little bit different than you. But praise God, Jesus wants us all thinking alike. He wants us all on the same page. He wants us all to understand the same thing so we'll be able to agree on the same things. And that's where we are now. We're learning. And every new thing Jesus puts on me, I learn something new. And that's the fun of it all, not ever getting to a place to where you think you know everything. Because if you think you know everything, you're not going to know the next thing he puts on you, maybe. So I don't have any of it. I just have what I've experienced. I have what God has already put on me and wanting me to be. And that's what makes me so excited about being a Christian. I don't know about you, but tomorrow, my, my day's going to be different. I got it to look forward to. It's going to be different than today was. And what I am is going to be different tomorrow than what I was today. And that's the good part of it, I think. And that's the reason I think people can look at people who say they've got Jesus and they're looking for Jesus to change that person into somebody else. And it's exciting being a new guy. It's exciting being a new woman or a new youngin and having something today that you didn't have yesterday. And I thank God for that. Let's pray. Lord, make us see this process. Make us see that we're becoming saved. 
that is long as we accept Jesus and what he puts on us to be like him. That we'll be more like him and we'll be becoming saved or Christian or people of the new way or believers. All those words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.